welcome back to the Brudeck Podcast. I'm your host today, Grant Lawrence, joined by Heather Jared. Um, happy Canada Day. Happy Thank Independence you. Yeah. <laughs> and happy Independence Day. Yeah, they're right around the corner. Well, tell us about this uh, this new malt y'all got going on. Yeah, so the countdown is actually almost over for the Euro Pills. I know we have been talking about this for a while now. And if you saw us at CBC, uh, we were talking about it there. Um, but it will officially be in um, some of our limited East Coast warehouses as of July 5th. So Canada Malting's um, Euro Pills, it's, uh, it's made from some of the finest overseas low-protein barley available. Um, it's malted at our malting facility in Montreal, Quebec. Um, it's u- utilizing um, super traditional style of malting, um, uh, salad and box style germination and kilning beds. Um, it just exudes all those traditional European Pilsner malt characteristics that everybody loves. Uh, so get ready for it. Um, it'll be available in four days. Can't wait. I actually, yeah. uh, I got the, I got the drop on it. I got the hookup on it. And oh yeah. You brewed with it, didn't I you? Just brewed with it. It's <laughs> fermenting right now. Um, I, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited. It, the brew went great. I actually got a higher extract than I, than I was expecting. Um, you know, just a little bit, but, uh, every little bit counts and you know, I'm just brewing five gallons. So oh, I can't wait to find out how that turns out. Yeah. I mean, the wort tasted great, but I mean, I, I can't really speak to that past that, but I can't wait for it to be done fermenting. So I'm excited. Yeah. Great. Uh, um, we have another, something else exciting releasing on July 5th as well. Yes, we do. Yeah. At the same time, um, Yakima chiefs veterans blend is coming out July 5th. Um, each year Yakima chief, uh, collaborates with military veterans and brewers across the country to select a new hot blend recipe for their annual veterans blend. Currently it's in its fifth year. This hot blend supports and celebrates U S military veterans while collaborating with brewers to create something bigger than beer. Um, this year, YCH is partnered with Hunter seven foundation. It's a veteran founded federally recognized nonprofit that specializes in medical research and education specifically on the post 9-11 veteran cohort. So stay tuned. Uh, the pre-order link it will open up Tuesday, July 5th. Um, it's a great blend. I look forward to it every year and we're going to have the details on the blend very soon. So just stay tuned, follow, follow Yakima chief on Instagram, follow country malt on Instagram. There's going to be some, uh, some info coming shortly. And get in touch with your uh, sales representative in yes. your area. Yes, yes. That's that's the easiest way. Just make them do all the work. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. Awesome. Well, let's dive into some ultimate summer beers. Yes. So I, we missed it the other week, but I'd like to introduce her this week. She's going to be hosting the show. Um, we have Cheyenne. She is a country malt sales rep. She covers Washington, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Minnesota. Did I get that right, Cheyenne? Yes, absolutely. You nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Great to have you on. Thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, we're calling it Ultimate Summer Beers. And really, we wanted to have a bunch of folks on, a lot of experience in the industry, um, and chat about all things summer beer and have people make a case for their favorite style. There's quite a few of them out there. Um, I've got some great guests on today. Um, I'll go kind of um, north to south. So starting us off, we have Adam Wilson. He's the country malt territory manager for Ontario and Manitoba. Thank you for having me on. Um, next, we've got Patrick. He is taking over for Jeff Hughes in the northeast. Uh, he's got New York, uh, Vermont, Massachusetts. And did I leave any of those out? New Hampshire. 
right on. Yeah, super excited to be here. Yeah, Thanks happy to get into it. Happy to get into a debate here. <laughs> getting, pretty, getting pretty feisty. Yes. <laughs> and then, uh, last but not least, we've got Brian Quinn. He's coming to us from kind of the Mid Atlantic, so North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, and DC. That's right. Yeah, happy to be on. Right on. I mean, between all of us, this I haven't even counted up the the years, but um, I mean, we have a lot of a lot of pro brewers, a lot of people that have been in the industry a long time. I mean, I I, I would say it's really easy to say we've got what 30, 40 years of experience on the podcast today. Definitely. So. Yeah, Adam, why don't you leave us off? Where uh, about your background, and how you came to to work for Country Ball? Well, I've been involved in beer in one way or another for about. 20 years probably about 13 of it in the uh in the restaurant bars and then uh, about seven years ago i jumped into the craft beer scene and uh, started out as an assistant brewer and turned out i was really quite bad at it so uh for the sales side of things and uh life has been much better since then so i did about seven years of beer sales uh throughout uh british columbia and ontario and uh just recently back in april i uh i made the jump over to the uh to the malt side of things and uh it's been pretty amazing so far awesome uh let's see let's just go let's go the same order let's go go down to patrick sure yeah so uh i actually recently just started this is week number four for me so super happy to be here at country malt uh, I'm coming from the beer, beer industry. I was uh, head brewer for the last 10 years at a couple of uh, Hudson Valley breweries. Um, actually, I got into the industry right when I turned 21. I was uh, going to school for psychology, was going to grad school, got offered a job to actually work at a homebrew shop to start. And I was talking to Jeff about this. I believe I actually used to work with Ian back when he was doing the brewcraft stuff. Um, but my memory is foggy now. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> yeah, uh, as comes with the industry. Um, but yeah, ten years ago, started the homebrew shop. Got offered to be uh, an assistant brewer and be brought up, brought over. And uh, I remember calling my mom and being like, "Mom, I, I got a job opportunity. You're not gonna like it. I'm dropping out of college <laughs> and I'm going into the beer industry." And so <laughs> anyway, fast forward ten years, <laughs> had a great time. Really helped a couple of breweries grow and really grew myself in terms of doing it and then recently uh jeff hughes actually gave me a call because i've been working with country malt for the last 10 years my entire career knew what a great company it was uh jeff gave me a call said that he was getting promoted and was asking if i'd be interested to take it and uh, as i told my boss when i put in my notice you only have one back and you know my days on the brewery floor were, were numbered so super excited to kind of take my experience and, and turn it on and uh, be able to now be on the sales side, but also help, you know, other breweries that were in similar positions or make decisions and, you know, kind of so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I think it's just, it's a great pivot and I'm very excited for the next couple of years of what's going to turn out for me. Right on. Yeah. So I think everybody's probably had that talk with their parents when they were yeah. kind of like, I'm going to be in the beer industry. <laughs> and, just in case, and just in case my mom is listening, you know, sorry, mom. <laughs> now I'm on a podcast and I have a big board job. So okay. Awesome. All right. Well, welcome aboard, Patrick. Let's keep going. Let's go. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Cheyenne next. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the beer industry for about seven years now. Uh, most of that time was spent on the production side of things. So I worked as a brewer for about six years and uh, it all started, I was in college and I was studying biology and I really loved it. And especially kind of microbiology and learning about bacteria and yeast and cellular organisms and all of that fun stuff. And uh, I was lucky enough to find out that my college at the time had a craft brewing program. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. I want to do that. I had never homebrewed in my life, didn't know anything about brewing, uh, but I knew that I liked beer. <laughs> so I decided to do the craft brewing program. And that kind of led me into uh, brewing as a profession. So I was really lucky to get to brew for a very long time for a company that I love. Um, and yeah, I love, you know, raw materials and recipe formulation and all of that really cool stuff. So when I made the transition to country malt group and to do sales, I'm, you know, I was really excited to get to uh, kind of live and exist in the raw materials realm and get to talk about all of that stuff, the stuff that makes beer what it is. So yeah, I'm really stoked to be here. Awesome. I've actually had the opportunity to come by your, your brewery a couple of years ago. I think I already mentioned this to you. At some oh, point, awesome. That was so cool. Yeah. I was going out to hop selection and got, Oh to, yeah, yeah. 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 We're right on I-90. So, uh, you know, they get a ton of people dropping by for hop selection and then for, uh, for hop and brew school in Yakima. So it's a fun location because just brewers come by constantly when they're going over to Yakima. So you get to meet a lot of people. For sure. I got to meet yeah. Uh, John Mendrick out there for a beer. Yep. Like, yeah, <laughs> and it was, if I remember correctly, it's right. At, like I, I, I'm in Texas. We don't really have like, yeah. it was like at the top of like this mountain pass. And it was like, the car was just, the rental car was going like straight up it, just engine whining to get to the top. Yes. And then this brewery yes. was there. It was so that cool. Is, yes. There's like a gas station, a convenience store, a brewery and a, you know, and the mountain. And it's a, it's a really cool place to, to be. It definitely presents its own challenges with brewing uh, and getting raw materials up there in the winter time, <laughs> but you can't beat the views. Yes. Love it. Okay. Last but not least, Brian Quinn. Awesome. Yeah. I think uh sounds like I've got a similar trajectory to a, a couple other people on here today. Um, I, uh, I did a lot of pre-med classes in undergrad and then, uh, started the uh started to upset my parents early on by going on to a grad school for uh for history um and if uh if that uh grad school for liberal arts wasn't uh quite upsetting enough i then pivoted to the world of craft beer and uh and dove in really hard uh mostly on the production side uh over the course of the last uh decade plus um I did the Siebel Master Program back in 2015, and then after that, uh, I've been working at a number of breweries in the, in, mostly in the southeast. Uh, done a couple startups, um, and uh, really just uh, recently made the transition. Just a couple weeks before Patrick uh, started with Country Malt Group, uh, I guess about six weeks ago, after uh, serving as a director of brewery operations at Town Brewing Company in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, very happy to have gotten the brewing boots off just in time to miss some of this summer heat because it is brutal down here right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's indeed, I think like all the Southeast is just getting tore up by the heat lately. So, um, well, cool. Um, you know, the point of today's episode, kind of what we're going to do is let everybody make, uh, make a case, like build a case for, for your ultimate summer beer, you know, um, and we're really looking for just, 
you know, maybe some mentions of, uh, you know, of course the style, but like some memories drinking this style, why you like it so much. And then the technical aspects of the style, we're going to run through all that on today's episode. I mean, y'all ready to jump into it and talk beers? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's favorite topic. <laughs> okay. Um, let's just, let's just go down the list. What style are you going to be defending today? Not, not everybody all at once. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start first. So I am here to defend the Goza, a very, uh, controversial beer for some people. So one of my favorites. Right on. I love it. I'll follow that up. Uh, I'm going to take the the place of defending the Shandy and the Rattler. Uh, I know it has a little bit of a social stigma with a couple of beer, you know, beer industry people, but honestly, man, nothing hits better on a summer day than a Shandy on the beach. So (laughs) I'm ready to fight. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Uh, I'm jumping. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Bryce. Uh, I might be a little bit of the odd guy out because I actually will be defending dark lagers today. Um, while uh, while they are a dark darker beer style, I think they uh, they really are an exceptional summer beer, especially for uh, malt heads and then you know people that people that tend to like the the darker maltier beers, um, but don't want to necessarily drink a twelve percent imperial stout in July. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> when you sent this through, I loved this choice, Brian. I was really excited about this. I love yeah. a dark lager as well. So, yeah. way to establish yourself as a crazy guy, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to mess with you on this fight. <laughs> as a, as a Canadian, I like to avoid controversy, so uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going with the Belgian wheat uh, wit beer. It's, All right, uh, it's my choice. <laughs> And I love this, like so many, yeah, I'm, I'm picturing like the uphill battles in my head, but uh, yeah, <laughs> brave choices. Some of you, I mean, yeah. they are all like, I can see the argument. So like, it makes sense, but uh, yeah, I can't wait to get into it. As a, um, as a beer person, you know, I know this is a battle, but I love all of the styles that everyone's defending, you know, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm ready to back every one of you guys already. Right. <laughs> All right. Yourself, Adam. <laughs> Tell us about Goza, brewing it, and, and everything that goes along with that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for me personally, I was first introduced to Goza as a style uh, kind of in my first or second year of brewing. So I was very new to the industry, was still learning all of these different styles. And so I'm a member of the Pink Boot Society, which is an organization that supports women in the brewing industry. Um, and every single year they do the Pink Boots collaboration brew. So women all across the country, all across the globe get to come together and collaborate on making beers that support the organization. Um, and currently the way we do it is we have the, the Pink Boots hot blend. Um, but before we did that, uh, they, they would do style suggestions. So every year they would suggest a style. Everyone got to kind of take that and run with it. And so uh, one of my first years in the Pink Boots Society, the style suggestion was the Goza. And I was like, what is a Goza? <laughs> I had to do a lot of research. I'd never heard of it. And um, yeah, I love the beer. I love uh, it can be a little polarizing because people either love it or hate it. Um, but, you know, it's a pretty heavy on the wheat beer. So it's usually about 50% uh, malted wheat in the grain bill. But the thing that makes it really cool is it's a kettle soured beer that's soured with lactobacillus. So it has like this really refreshing uh, tartness to it, which I love for the summer. Uh, but the thing that's really special about it is that it's brewed with salt. So it has just a hint of saltiness to it, uh, which I think is the thing that can be polarizing for people. 
Um, but yeah, I love it. And I love uh, how versatile Goza can be. So, you know, you have a lot of room for creativity when you're brewing uh, Goza and you can play with the salt levels. It also has coriander in it traditionally. So you can play with that and that gives it kind of a, a fun herbal finish. Um, but you can also add fruit purees to it. Uh, and so when I was brewing it, so I used to work at Drew Brew in Snoqualmie Pass, Washington. Um, and we would add Oregon fruits, passion fruit puree to it. And it gave it a super cool color and it awesome flavor. Uh, so I love kind of going out in the summer and getting to see what brewers are doing with their gozas. Absolutely. Yeah. When you were saying you, you said like, could be a polarizing style, you think it's the salt. I feel like there's this, sometimes there's a stigma with like kettle sours, like among brewers, right? Have you ever heard of this? Yes. Yeah. And, and the method in which people do the kettle souring, I think can be stigmatizing for some Absolutely. people. Um, you know, I gotta love brewers. I was a brewer. Uh, they are a stubborn bunch, you know? And so once they kind of find the way that they like to do things, uh, they will staunchly, you know, love that one way. Um, but I think that when I've talked to non, uh, beer industry people, the salt is what people are very Fair hesitant about. Yes. Yeah. So, um, my, my dad is, a. Uh, a newbie in the beer world and I took him to a beer festival for father's day weekend and I got a goza. I let him try it. And he goes, why are you drinking seawater? <laughs> <laughs> they don't all have to be that salty, right? Like, yeah, no, no. That's what I love about it too, is you can totally play around with the levels of salt that you add, the levels of coriander to give it that herbal finish. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, originally, like most German beers, you know, they're, they're a very old style. So it was brewed centuries ago and the water that it was brewed with was just, you know, had a lot of minerals in it. So mm -hmm. that's kind of where the, the saltiness comes from. And now obviously modern brewers are brewing with fantastic water. So they add the salt in. Did, did you, so do you remember like the salt content of it or like the salinity that y'all would go for? Yeah, it was really small. So when I was brewing, I brewed on a 15 barrel system. Um, it was maybe two to five pounds for 15 barrels. So it wasn't a whole ton in the grand scheme of, of the size of the batch. And that gave it just enough salinity to kind of have that mineral flavor without being overpowering. Cause you also, you know, you have the, the sourness coming through as well. So you want to have those two, two flavors complement each other and not compete with each other sure i mean yeah it's a great it is a great summer beer because of the salt like kind yeah, of replenishing yeah. that those yes uh, you know like get your electrolytes in it, yeah it has what plants crave yep. Right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome um God, yeah talking like the salty ones what is it like back in the day it's like i think it was westbrook's goza was like hella salty yes yeah I haven't, but I've had some really, really, really salty ones. And I can see that people maybe are like, oh, that's too much salt. And I think it's all, you know, people love what they love. And, you know, people have different, different palates. I prefer a mid-range salt level, not too salty. Because my other favorite part of the style is the tartness that comes from the, the souring, the kettle souring. For sure. So the lactobacillus gets in there and it does its job and, Usually for, in my experience, when I was brewing them, we would kettle sour, it would take anywhere from 24 to 
maybe 36 hours in the kettle, kind of depending on how, how the lactobacillus was doing. And we would drop that pH down from, you know, five, five, five or five, two, all the way down to about 3.1. Yeah. Um, and that was the range that we liked it. And so it was nice and tart, a little puckering, but not, you know, stripping the enamel off your teeth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Not Still like allows that. a little room for other flavors to come through. A lot of people like forget that, uh, pH is like logarithmic, right? So like a little yes. bit of a change is like, a, you know, a massive change. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm with you on that. That three, one, that three, two. I like yep. that too. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. Great. So great case for Goza. Who's next? Well, I'll step in and just say that Cheyenne talking about Gozas has made me really want a Goza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, I agree I, with that. Can, can I change teams? Is it too early? To <laughs> no, I love the Goza. I just wanted to jump in and say like the Goza is essentially the beer version of like a margarita right now. Oh, it's, absolutely. Yeah. Really yeah. yeah. Rim. Yep. <laughs> when it comes to summer beers, I mean, it's a great choice. And I would have gone with that, but Cheyenne was first on the email. I had spot, to snap so. it up. One yes. of my <laughs> <laughs> she's fashion i'll give her that but yep um yeah and so i'll jump in it's it's kind of funny to listen about it because there's a lot of similarities but um my choice was shandy and radler and uh they're kind of interchangeable in terms of definition on it um but technically a shandy is strictly made with lemonade but a radler can be really a 50 50 blend oh is there a dog in this yeah, uh, my dog sorry <laughs> <laughs> brian is that you oh yeah <laughs> um no, and so a Rattler is just a 50-50 blend of typically a Pilsner or Blonde Ale or any type of lager with some sort of citrus juice. And now it's kind of uh, stigmatized or faux pas because, I mean, do you really call this a beer style? I mean, it's really kind of a beer cocktail. But we've started to see a lot of guys start to commercially produce the Shandy and the Rattler. And honestly, they, they just hit on a different level, um, at least for me personally, because, you know, you have – it's a cut beer. So, you know, it's 50, 50. So you're going to be looking at lower ABV. Uh, it's got that same acidity from the citrus that's similar to like a goza or a kettle sour would kind of have, uh, it just kind of goes about it in a different way. Uh, and then, it, you know, it provides that fun fruit flavor that, you know, I think a lot of it's, it's funny if you were to talk to me when I was 21 years old and be like, I would have to be caught dead drinking a fruit beer, man. You know, like it's just, that wasn't cool back then. But now with the rise of seltzer, the fruited sours, I think a Rattler and a Shandy has a place uh, in the market for for being destigmatized and being, you know what? Yeah, I'm on a beach. I want a three and a half percent lemonade beer. You know, like that's that's just kind of what I want. <laughs> right Completely now. agree. You know? And I think that low alcohol content, too, is just such a big thing in the summer heat, in the Absolutely. sun and wanting to be able to, you know, sip on something all day long. I think that's, yeah, yeah, as, a real selling as, point. As a couple of coworkers used to always tell me, it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, you got, <laughs> you know low and slow is the way to stay, you know, to stay up. So, um, you know, when you're sitting on a beach and you're kind of doing it. Another thing, too, that I always liked about it. So we actually had I have a great pivot as to why I, I chose Shandy and Radler. Uh, when I was brewing down at Crossroads in, in Catskill, um, we used to have this house logger and we would run through the centrifuge and we got these amazing yields. We'd actually max out our bright tanks. So we would have this surplus logger beer that we would just throw off, you know, we'd put it into another bright tank, but it was so easy for us to make a Shandy out of that, out of excess beer, essentially 
doubling the quantity because you're doing a 50 50 split and then you're just pivoting into another you know another offering for your customers um and so you know it was just a great way for us to not necessarily have to go out of our way if you're busy slam producing core beers it was able for us to do a different offering with little to no extra effort um you know just simply by taking something that we've wanted to build on and just kind of doing a, a brand uh, variation on it. Um, and then while doing research for this, because I wanted to come you know, super prepared for it, I can't get over the fact that the story of where Rattler actually came from is that there was this German beer owner, beer bar owner, who had a group of cyclists come in and it was a massive group of people and he was low on beer. So he needed to cut it with something to kind of extend his surplus uh, or to, to extend his supply rather to, to meet everybody's needs. And when I think to myself of like working in the production brewery, like those type, types of tactics are, are fantastic. You know, how do I make, how do I make twice as much beer out of, you know, half of the ingredients and Shandy was a great way to, to go about that. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that about the uh, the origins of it. That's awesome. I think that anyone who has worked in the service industry can sympathize with that. Yeah, you know when, like, <laughs> when you when you're running out of seasonals and you don't have room in the schedule, it's like, ah, what do I do? You know, give yeah, me some, give me some fruit puree and dehydrated water. I'm about to make some magic. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and actually, the word Radler is German for cyclist, and that is the you know uh, attachment to that story of that it was a oh, awesome. I love that. Yeah, I did not know that. I think of like commercial example wise, like I think of, you know, Stiegel, Radler, like the grapefruit one is awesome. Yeah. Um, But up around us, we have the Narragansett's Del Del Shandy, um, Harpoon. They have the whole UFO series, but they started doing the UFO Big Squeeze where they add uh, grapefruit juice on theirs. Um, and even um, a couple of smaller guys, we have this one uh, great local brewery called Community Beer Works out of Buffalo, and they have, they're right by the Buffalo Bills Stadium, so they have a pilsner called Let's Go Pills. Uh, uh, and, uh, clever. <laughs> and they take that, and then they'll do Rattler variations off of it. And so, you know, just this kind of idea of just constantly being able to come out with something new, you know, it has a little uh, attachment back to something that the customer knows, as in the Let's Go Pills, but kind of helps them branch out and kind of test them test some new waters uh, one one strange like radler combo i've heard of that is popular in germany from what i hear is like they'll mix it with like coca-cola can oh, you yes. corroborate yes. us yeah. yeah super super weird i have a friend that's very german and he's like studied abroad for a while and He's, he tried to get me to do it. I'm like, no way, man. <laughs> Talk to you. Like, it's usually, uh, yeah. it's usually yeah, half of half of with uh, with Coca Cola too. So it's oof. a little bit little bit different than like a Pilsner or Hellas. But uh, yeah. I've had that a few oh, times as well. It's interesting. Is it okay? I shouldn't knock it till I try it. But uh, it's so strange. I'm okay. about to run out to the gas station right now and get some Coca Cola while we're on this call. <laughs> right on. Okay. All right. Shandies and Rattlers. What's next? What's the next one we're defending today? I'll dive in real quick just to um, do a little bit of a change of pace from some of the lighter, fruitier uh, tart styles uh, into, uh, well, dark lagers. I guess I should specify a little bit. I'm not talking about a Baltic Porter or a Doppelbach. <laughs> Definitely uh, some more of the sessionable, approachable uh, dark lager styles like a Czech dark lager or Schwartz beer. Um, I just, uh, you know, I find, you know, I've never been a, 
really big fan of uh, hoppier styles, which is probably pretty blasphemous to say, but I know a lot of brewers uh, kind of appreciate the more approachable styles. And I've always been a big fan of uh, traditional beer styles and, uh, you know, Czech dark lagers, short beers. They've always been uh, really fun to play around with and brew and kind of look into some of the history of, of, of that. Um, but I, 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 I'm just a malt head. I love drinking. Uh, I love drinking multi beers, dark beers, um, stouts and porters and, uh, you know, but I, again, I, I don't want like a big 10%, 11%, 12% Imperial stout when I'm, uh, uh, dealing with 102 degree weather in, uh, in, in the Southeast, uh, in the summer. Um, and I've been extremely happy to see how many breweries have started putting out dark lagers, kind of part of the broader trend towards, uh, you know, experimenting with more craft lager styles. Um, they're, they're great. I mean, they're not as roasty. They're not as high ABV or intense as, um, you know, as you get with the, you know, big, big stouts, um, you know, they're going to have, they're going to have some nice rich malt character, but they're not going to be like so sweet or malty that you don't want to have a couple of them. Uh, I, uh, you know, while I was brewing at town brewing company in Charlotte, we did a beer, uh, called shadow puppets. That was a, uh, Czech dark lager brewed it with, uh, exclusively with epiphany craft malt. Um, just use some, some midnight wheat for color and, uh, you know, a he- heavy dose of, uh, of Munich and, um, you know, some other specialty malts just to give, give some color without going over to, over the top on the, on the roasty side of it, but it finished nice and dry and just, really, really sessionable and approachable. I think, you know, the other thing that kind of makes this kind of one of the perfect summer beers for me is that I love, uh, I love grilling out in the summer. I love, you know, smoking brisket, smoking pork, butt. that's the type of style that can really, uh, pair well with, uh, with great, uh, North Carolina or Texas style barbecue, um, which has, you know, a lot of those intense flavors as well that might overpower something like, a uh, Pilsner or, um, you know, a lighter beer style. So it's nice to have something that can kind of hold up to some of that as well. For sure. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's a perfect barbecue pairing right there. Really, really good argument right there, Brian. <laughs> I, I love the different facets of summer that everyone can think about. Cause for me, I'm thinking, you know, I'm sitting on a patio drinking a beer or I'm by the lake drinking a beer. And that's why I love a good Goza. But I love that, you know, on the other side of things, when you're in your backyard and you're grilling and that's kind of what summer means for people. And I love the differences for, from people. I think we also need to take a moment to appreciate that the beer name Shadow Puppets is incredible. There's a Schwartz beer that's released uh, uh, up here in, um, in Ontario from uh, Bose Brewing uh, that was an homage to Spaceballs. It was called Dark Helmet. It was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was good. It is yeah, one of a- one of my favorite things to do, and I've done a lot of like sensory training with uh, with customers and staff, and you know, I always always love having them, you know, taste a taste a dark lager, a, a Czech dark lager, or a Dunkel or a Schwartz beer um, while blindfolded, and you know, those people that are like hardcore. Uh, opposed to dark beers and they they've got misconceptions about what what a dark beer is like being able to taste that without seeing the color and coming in with that kind of uh preconception about what that's going to be um really kind of it, it's a great gateway drug to to get people to kind of <laughs> open their eyes to the 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 dark multi uh styles that otherwise would have been a, a little um a little intimidated by it I always, I always found it funny of how consumers are just, for some reason, one way or another, they're just afraid of dark beers. You know, yes. like they just, they just look at it. They're like, no, that's not for me. That's unsafe. You know, like what, like what, where does that come from? Because, yeah. you know, when I look at drinking like a Schwartz in the middle of summer, it's, it's the same as drinking black 
iced coffee, you know, like it totally, it totally has a time and place when you want it. You want oh, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. It's Good such point. a weird thing too, that like, I'll, I'll agree with you on consumers, like the color just throws them off. But for some reason, I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, kind of like newbies to craft beer or crazy beer styles in general, they, they just associate dark with more alcohol. And like it, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. not the case sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Adam, you're up. Yep. All right. Uh, so, so the wit, the Belgian wit. Um, for me, when I thought about uh, when I first started thinking about it, it the idea of sitting on a patio on the east coast uh, with like a crab boil in front of you, and somebody hands you an Allagash white. To me, it just mm-hmm. it's perfect late summer day. It's it's all of it. So I mean, the wit beer, the Belgian style wit is it lends itself to to stuff like seafood and and uh, uh, especially those, those those shellfish. You know, it's you've got. Uh, I, I also am not lost on the irony that I'm on a, a podcast about malt, and uh, the number one thing on the grain bill is an unmalted wheat. So, <laughs> is it really that high? The percentage? It's, it's well, it's it's pretty close, actually. I mean, you're it's between that and uh, and you know you're looking at 30, 30, 40% of the grain bill is probably uh, flaked. Uh, flaked wheat i could be wrong and the uh the brewers on here can correct me on that one but uh it's between that and uh some some pills and malt sure uh, seems to be the uh the two main players um with with the wit so um as far as you know the profile that goes you know you're looking at it's a higher protein so you're getting a fuller body uh you're getting that that nice full mouthfeel um the lively carbonation really evens out that mouthfeel um you get the nice creamy head and that real cloudiness to it is i don't know it's it's beautiful looking beer uh for starters and the thing that makes the belgian wit stand out is the uh the spices the coriander and the uh and the dried orange peel um playing with really kind of makes it makes it always interesting for sure well it does because it can be overdone uh you know there's coriander is a you know, it's 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 one of those spices that uh, that the people love or they hate, and uh, can be overbearing for sure. Yeah, it can be for sure. So, I mean, if it, if, it, if it's done properly, um, again, like I go back to, I think Allagash White is kind of the um, is kind of the benchmark for for wits in North America. Yeah. You know, and uh, you look at another one like Quebec's uh, Blanche de Chambly um, out of uh, Unibrew. Um, they they do it well. I've got a list of them like Driftwoods, um, White Bark uh, out of Vancouver Island um, is phenomenal. Um, yeah, sp- we, we were texting about that last yeah. night and I was like, ooh, I think I need to go get yeah. some. Right? I know. <laughs> that's, the only one, that's the only one yeah, you've mentioned so far I haven't had, but uh, oh the other God. two were uh, for sure amazing. So if you're putting I'm it in that so category, good. I got to try it. <laughs> it's. I, I lived in BC for a couple of years um, and it's Driftwood is one of those breweries that you know, every time the name gets mentioned, I'm like, oh man, I miss BC. BC so, <laughs> so much good beer, <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's, it's, it's also one of those styles. It's got a really cool history behind it too, because it started, um, it started to kind of fade away um, a bit. And then there was, there was, so this story is, there's some really nice comparables to, you know, that 
the backstory of this with the backstory of like a Canada malt uh, company is uh, this guy, Pierre Sellis um, was a huge fan of wit beers and he couldn't find them anymore. Um, and he was, he was working as a milkman, but at one point he had worked at the local brewery and decided that he wanted to uh, start making his own wit. And so he started doing it in his shed, um, which to some people in this podcast, that sounds pretty familiar to, uh, <laughs> to, to, to our, our origin story. And uh, he, started, uh, he started brewing in the little town of uh, Hoogarden. And uh, in 1966, uh, he opened up, uh, he started selling to the public and uh, his brewery was called uh, Old Hoogarden. And in 1985, there was a fire uh, that destroyed the brewery and he was underinsured and um, he had to actually sell part of it to Stella Artois. And um, it became the Who Garden that everybody uh, is familiar with. And uh, he got mad about the whole thing. He didn't like how they were treating his beer and uh, he sold his stock. He moved to Texas and opened, uh, opened Celis Brewing uh, down there. And then... Uh, uh, the same kind of thing happened. Um, it, he did, the investors weren't getting back their money as quickly as possible, so he had to sell to Miller. And uh, but uh, but he just he used the original recipe and has been making. You know, I think he passed away back in 2011 or 2012. But the resurgence of wit was pretty much due to uh, due to him. That's sure. so interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. You know, there's yeah, that was, his, that his was a owns, that almost uh, went went extinct during uh, um, the World Wars, like so many other Belgian uh, Belgian styles. So he really uh, he really kept that kept that alive uh, when it was right on the brink of extinction. Well, the I can never pronounce it. The Reichsgebot um, is almost single handedly killed styles like that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> the thing uh, that I find so impressive about wit beers and in specific is the carbonation level. Like you mentioned, Adam, I've brewed a wit beer and it's a testament to brewers uh, to get that carbonation level that high, especially, you know, on draft or putting it into packages. It's a, it's scary. It's a it presents yeah. a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <You know. laughs> and so when it's done right. It's really impressive. It's like, There's, uh, sorry, go ahead, Graham. I was going to say like over three volumes, right? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Typically, I mean, we, we had brewed a wit, um, a little bit here and there, and it was at one of our summer seasonals. We would try to get it up to about 2.9. And for context, a, a standard draft beer will usually be between 2.4 and 2.6 or 7. Um, so 2.9 is pretty high. Typically, I think that they are a little bit higher than 3.0, but we just couldn't get it any higher than that and have it pour well on draft. But when people can do it, it's really impressive. I was going to say, I bet you're like packaging folks or I, I don't even know. Maybe that was maybe that was you at, at your brewery. <laughs> yes, it well. was. Uh, yeah, I bet they love that. I'm sure they had a great time. Packaging oh, man, it was it was tough. But yeah, when you can do it right, it's really cool because I, I love carbonation and beers, especially in the summertime as well. I think that that adds a, a different component to it. For sure. Everybody yeah, picked some really of... like historic styles of yeah. for this. <laughs> some yeah, we have a real, real old... history group here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Weird, like... the real beer nerds. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> we well represented across North America, yeah. right? And then, you know, the styles as well, like international. It's pretty, pretty rad hearing from everybody. 
Yeah, I just have to say, just in terms of uh, in terms of the wit in that East Coast, there's a there's a couple of great ones from uh, from Nova Scotia, um, from Tuscan Falls out of Halifax, and from Two Crows. They both do some. I'm, I'm from Nova Scotia, so I really have to every once in a while throw yes. to, to my home province on, yes. on that. It's uh, it's yeah. If, if you're if you're down that way, Two Crows and Tuscan Falls in the summertime, pop by for beers. It's been a while since I, you know, we used to brew a seasonal wit beer and like, you know, I know some other folks that had larger operations and they'd use like a, a fancier grinder, but we would just use like a big food processor, like a 14 cup food processor and grind yes. up like uh, that, those Indian, um, mm. I think they were Indian coriander, like the larger yeah, size the ones. Coriander. Yeah. yeah, but it would, I, I swear ever since like smelling that and the dust that it would make in the lab and then <laughs> like that. And then I know this is crazy, but every time I open like a box of fruit loops for my son, I swear they smell like that. They smell like fruit loops to me. Oh, that's, that's so, so interesting. <laughs> I feel like I am a, I'm scarred a little bit by the coriander. Cause when we brewed the whip beer, we would do fresh ground coriander and we had a hand grinder. So it had this crank on it. Right. You know, mm. so Oh my gosh. I thought I had it bad. The, yeah. You're sweating in the brew brewery and then you have to go and hand crank your coriander. And me, every single time we brewed the wit, I don't know what it was. I would not have that addition prepared. So I would be running around like two minutes before the addition in the boil and I'm hand cranking as fast as I can trying to grind that coriander for the addition. <laughs> well, it'd be amazing how refreshing that wit would be after you had. Yes, that. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're, 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 I've earned you're prepared. It. <laughs> by the way this was the f- this was the friendliest debate i've ever had yeah, yeah, yeah. i was gonna say nobody's, nobody's very mean everybody's just agreeing with everybody on everything so. that's pretty, beer nerds for you we just yeah. beer. talk about beer i'm pretty sure i changed teams like four times during the summer <laughs> so i know brian brian really, brian really sold me on his yeah. <laughs> When, when I was making a uh, wit too, like kind of like our, we just did it for a seasonal. It was like a one-off beer we would do for this music festival. Um, the beer was called white noise, by the way, it was a wit beer. Oh, that's awesome. It's, good name. Good you would dry hop yeah. it with Amarillo. I know that sounds weird, but it is weird. I, I yeah. think it was really <laughs> nice. Like not much, right? Like I forget how many pounds per barrel, but it was pretty low. It would just kind of give it like an aroma. It did. It didn't have any kind of like hop, you know, bitterness to it at all. It just had this nice kind of, you know, cause Amarillo, a really good lot of Amarillo can have that orange marmalade thing going on. And so I just kind of lent that to it and really liked it. Okay. That's cool. Sounds awesome. So, so you'll be sure. I know Toby always brings us up that we always do this on a Friday and it's like, all we ever want to do is just like have a beer after we have to do this <laughs> podcast yeah. for us West coasters. It's right. a little early still. <laughs> a little bit early. You should probably go go grab a shandy because it's lower your piece. Right? There that's you right. go. And, oh, and that's my final case. my final argument. <laughs> you can't day drink if you don't start in the morning. Heather. Exactly. Very true. Very it's like true. right as you crack it, you're just like shrug, and you're like, it's basically a soda. It's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's a real transition into the afternoon type of beer. So it's true. It's true. Um, well, I. Honestly, if I have to choose a winner, although nobody really argued with each other, I think Brian has me convinced that I'm going to have a black lager after work today because it's sunny here. And I feel like that's what I'm going to want as I make my dinner. 
That's that's the right choice for the true beer purist on the podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to say, my if I had to pick now, here and everything, for me, it's wit beer. In fact, I kind of want to brew one now. Oh, yes. Look at that. Doubles down on it. <laughs> I don't know. Do, I, mean, I don't know if as guests do we get a vote, but I'm also going to choose the wit beer. Uh, so whatever, whatever that's worth, I've ditched my team and have now swapped over to Adams. <laughs> I don't think there could be a, like any losers on these decisions because there are some amazing choices. And I love that they're all like Cheyenne said, like all situational, like if you're sitting on the beach, if you're, you know, going camping, if you're sitting on a patio, if you're grilling out in the backyard, like I think there's just like such a good place for every, every one of these in our, in our summer. So I don't know if we have one ultimate summer beer i think all of them it's really hard to choose you know, mm-hmm. go, going back to cheyenne's goza like i never i pretty much never see it on the shelf i guess maybe i don't look for it as much as i used to but i, I think like the original goza is, or one of the original ones was uh is it uh ritter guts ritter guts goza that's like never on the shelf here so like on the oh, rare occasion yeah. i see it i buy yeah. it yeah <laughs> you you tend to see if you're looking for uh, a, a canned product you tend to see uh the berliner weiss a little bit more frequently than the goza and don't get me wrong i love a good berliner weiss uh, but if you want to take it that step further and find the goza they're a little bit more rare and and hard to f- come by it's in this like really tall like skinny bottle if i remember correctly kind of has this like Dr. Jekyll looking dude on it. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that one. Okay. I it's think, it's yeah, a bottle condition Le- goza from yeah. Leipzig. Le- Leipzig oh, goes cool. got a yellow skinny, like tall bottle, yellow label. Yeah, I think I've seen that one before. Right on. Uh, there was another one, uh, again, from Bose as well in Ontario that was uh, called Boom Goes the Dynamite. And it was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty fantastic. It was pretty fantastic here, actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, yeah. that gets to the pronunciation because that's the other polarizing aspect of the spear is how to even pronounce it. <laughs> Whether or Goza. Or Goza or Ghost. <laughs> Oh, that, that's why I didn't try. That's why I didn't try to grab that category. <laughs> <laughs> I hard with Goza, and I, I don't apologize. <laughs> we had one of my first ones from a local brewery in Calgary. It was Ponderosa Goza, so that's uh, I will always oh. pronounce it Goza. Yeah, because of it. That's just how it worked with the name. So that's how it's always yeah. in my brain now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Almost like they knew what they were doing there. It's smart, <laughs> smart brewery. Those. Ones. <laughs> well, I think that the winner is everyone's a winner. Everyone's a winner. <laughs> everyone's a winner when Little it comes to, for everybody. to yeah to summer beers. Everybody gets a participation award for this one because uh, those are some amazing choices and um, they've just made me really thirsty. So I think that that was the point. <laughs> for sure. So I, anyone out there listening, whatever you're drinking this summer, there's so many great styles to choose from. You know, one thing too about these style, well, save for the, save for the lager, you can turn these beers out pretty fast. These are like, all of these are really quick styles, I mm-hmm. would say. So yes, they need to be brewed. Tis the season. I will say it was pretty interesting that nobody just went for straight Pilsner for summer beer style. I did think that was interesting. You know, yeah. it was a little too low, low hanging fruit to just yeah. go with the light lager yeah. form, but uh, 
Because we're all clever. We're that's all just, <laughs> that's just a year. That's a year-round beer right there. That's, that's a year-round beer. <laughs> I've actually got one fermenting right now at the kegerator. So. Oh, that's awesome. We were. I'm traveling for work right now, and I was just in Hood River, Oregon, and we went to oh. Frame, and their Pilsner. Oh, that's I mean, great. I could just talk about it forever and you can get it in cans. Uh, oh, I bought it in a can. It, it came yes. home with me back over the border. Yes. I just came back yeah. from seeing yeah. Cheyenne down in Vancouver, Washington. And it, yes. uh, it came home with me. I can't wait to drink that it's, one. It's That's a phenomenal sure. beer. Yeah. I took a, I took a vacation out there and I stayed in Mount hood and we were right by the Freem brewery. And our plan was to go visit like a bunch of different breweries and go kind of, you know, go around and putz around. Uh, but we ended up going right to Freem first and we we're like, no, nah, I'm just going to stay here. For, for, for <laughs> My work here is done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everything I need to see. Thank you very much. Shel. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to eat out there, man. I, yeah. I try to stop there every time too. When I, when I come from Portland up there up to uh, Yakima for let sure. Alone, let alone the fact that Mount Hood is just, it's beautiful. And oh, it's such a there. cool area. Oh my God. Fantastic. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Thanks everybody for joining us. And welcome um, to the team, um, everyone. Team. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for making, making your splash, making your introductions. Um, yeah. Hope, hoping to have, uh, have each of you on in the future for, uh, you know, something a little more uh, drilled down to, to your expertise and um, yeah, it's, it's been good. I'll promise to be a little bit more feisty next time and uh, try, <laughs> try and be a little more argumentative. Yeah. Save that for next year's next yeah. year's uh, debate, next yeah. year's summer debate. Yeah. Just wait till we talk about fall beers. I'm very passionate. Okay. So <laughs> okay. All right. Fall beer showdown. All right. We'll put that in the schedule. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks thank guys. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today and a big thanks to our new team members for sharing their ultimate summer beer opinions. Um, if you haven't actually got to know any of your new sales representatives and territory managers, make sure to reach out to them uh, and let them know what you think about their ultimate summer beer style. Um, although they failed the debate portion of the evening, I think it, uh, I still think it went pretty well. <laughs> It went great. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if you're out there, you're listening, um, you're hearing some of these names you haven't heard before, just check out our website. We have, we have a map that makes it easy. Get in mm -hmm. touch with your sales rep. We, we love to hear from brewers. So yeah, give us a call, ask our opinion on what malts to use. I mean, we got, we got quite a bit of brains here when it comes to brewing. So we're always, always happy. I'd say that's the most rewarding part of our job is to help out with new brews with customers. So absolutely. <laughs> And uh, our next episode will be about the Veterans Blend I mentioned earlier. So, uh, yeah, we're going to break that down, talk about that with uh, Yakima Chief. Can't wait. Mm -hmm. We're also going to have a uh, member from the Hunter 7 Foundation come on and talk a little bit more about um, their uh, that non-for-profit charity. So uh, make sure to tune in. Tune in next week. Yeah. Anyways, uh, have a good one. Make it a great weekend. And we'll catch you next time on the Brew Deck Podcast. Bye, y'all.